Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, we're in, uh, like I said before, we're in actually part three of this series we've been doing for the last couple of weeks called Love dates and heartbreaks um it is volume two okay because we did it um a couple of years ago and um if you've been here for the last couple of weeks i've kept saying the reason we did it is because we only did three parts last time okay it's been so long since we did it we actually did four parts last time and we're doing four parts again we should tell you that you could talk about this subject and this topic for so long and you're still not going to scratch the surface of um of all the questions we have of all the things that there are to know but um just so you're aware of where we've been for the last couple of weeks before we talk about today is um, in part one, we had Jason Perkins here and he looked at this idea that in all of our relationships, it doesn't matter whether they're friendships or, but particularly in romantic relationships, it's always going to get to a point um, where what we experience is different than what we expect, okay? Um, there's always going to be a situation or a scenario we walk in and what we experience is different than what we expect and so how do we manage to avoid that gap? By t- and uh, Perko talk, uh, told us all about how do we avoid this expectation versus experience gap. And then in last week, um, I looked at five habits for healthy dating. We explored five habits for healthy dating. And if you want to um, re-listen to that, if you want to catch up on any of those conversations or share it with a friend, you can just simply go uh, type in Beyond Church AU wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, and part one is already up there. Part two and this conversation will be going up there um, as well this week. Um, but what we're talking about today, and actually what we're talking about for the next two weeks as we kind of close this series out, um, is a word I think, and, and hopefully you agree with that when we look at the world, we're like, the world needs more of this. Okay, the, world, the world needs more of it. Uh, maybe, maybe you need a little bit more of it at times. Maybe some of your relationships need more of it. Maybe, um, maybe it would be beneficial if, um, if you had more of it. Um, and, and the word we're talking about is love. Okay, and as the Beatles famously said in that song that, that they wrote in the late 60s, they sung it. They said, hey, all you need really is love. <coughs> and I don't want to disagree with the Beatles, okay? I'm the first person. I don't want to uh, start a fight. But I, I would like to, I wish they were here so I could ask a follow-up question, right? Because the follow-up question that I would love to ask of the Beatles is this, is um, whose, version, whose version of love do we need? Right, because maybe for some of you, you would be like, well, I, I don't want my ex's version of love. I don't want my parents' version of love. Like, I like, and, and for a lot of us, like, even as we've, as we've gone through life and as we've journeyed through life, our version of love has changed, right? Because probably your view of love looked very different in high school than it did to when you were out of high school. And then when you got married, and for those of you who, who are parents, right, the, de- the version and the definition of love completely changed the moment you became a parent. You were like, ooh, there's a whole new way of love. There's this whole new thing that, that I didn't know before. Right, and then just take, for, for instance, the fact that we live in Australia, right, that we live in the Western world where, you know, it's, it's, it's really common. Like, we choose and we hopefully um, are in relationships both parties want to agree in, uh, want to be in. But there's still parts of the world where there's arranged marriages. And so in those countries, love looks completely different. And the version of love looks completely different in different parts of the world depending on the different cultures um that you've you've grown up in you know i love mcdonald's 
in a different way to I love my wife, okay? Like we use that word and so it's kind of like, well, well what version of love are, um, are we talking about? And I think if, if we want to have really healthy relationships, if we want our relationships to thrive, I think it's important that we clarify that, like, and we talk about it, we're like, hey, what, what version of love are we agreeing to? What version of love are we signing up for? Are we on the same page when it comes to it? Because there's, there's a problem, right, if, if you think, you know, and, and maybe, maybe you fall into this category, um, but maybe if you think, hey, look, we're just going to get to the wedding day, we're going to have a party, and we're going to cut some cake, and we're going to get in front of each other, and we're going to make some commitments to each other, and then everything's going to be all right, right? There's a problem with that way of thinking, right? Because saying I do, it doesn't make you capable, it only makes you accountable, all right? When you get up in front of everyone, you have a party, you have some cake, you make some vows, it doesn't make you capable of having those vows just because you put a nice suit on or put a nice dress on, but it certainly makes you accountable to them. And here's, here's the problem with that, right? When you are accountable but not capable, you eventually become miserable. Just ask anyone that signed up to do a marathon on a whim, okay? All of a sudden, they start training. They're like, well, I, I signed up and now I'm accountable, but I started running and I realized that a 5K probably would have been a better option because I am not capable and now I'm miserable every time I think of that, that, that event that I signed up for, that run I've got I've to be a part of. And this is, this is for me like one of the reasons why, why I just think everyone should follow Jesus. Not because Jesus will make you miserable, um, but I just, think, I just think everyone should follow Jesus because at the heart of what Jesus was talking about is how to have great relationships. Okay, at the heart of what, what Jesus is, if you begin to follow Jesus, Jesus will raise your relational integrity. Jesus will raise your relational honor. Jesus will raise the ability for you to have difficult and, uh, conversations in a really, really healthy, healthy way. And, and I believe that the reason, and Christians believe that the reason this is the case is because all of us are created in the image of God which means that all of us sort of have God's thumbprint in our lives, which means that we're hardwired for relationships. We're hardwired for connection. And as a result of that, so much of what Jesus, is, what Jesus teaches about and talks about is, hey, how do we have great relationships? And how do we go about life in a way that, um, that ups our relationship game? And, um, and in the four biographies that we have of Jesus' of li- Jesus's life that have survived antiquity, okay, we have four biographies. They're named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John by the people who wrote them, really creative names. But in all four of these biographies, Jesus kept issuing this invitation over and over and over again. And it wasn't like, hey, follow me and your relationships will be perfect, right? It wasn't like, clean your life up, then you can like maybe come and hang out with me. It wasn't like, oh, get your life sorted, you know, get your relationship sorted, and then, it's, then it'll be okay. It wasn't praying a specific way at a certain time of day. It wasn't any of that stuff. Jesus' invitation was so simple. It was just simply this, follow me. He said it over and over and over again. He said, hey, hey, follow me. Now, for most of us, when someone says that to us, in the 21st century, if they say, hey, follow me, our initial reaction is to go, hey, well, well, where are we going? Like, where am I following you to? What, is that, what does that actually even look like to follow you? What, what destination will we arrive at? And Jesus would say, well, I'm leading you to a simpler place. It's more demanding. It'll be more challenging, but, but, but it's far, far simpler. Jesus would say, hey, if you follow me, then I'm going to lead you to a place when you're re- where your relationships are actually life-giving. Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll lead you to a place where you see people and you see the world in a completely different way to the way that you view the world now. And then Jesus kind of left us with a really simple way to 
follow him. The problem is people like me and people in church and pastors and church people, we complicate this, okay? We unnecessarily complicate it and it gets confusing. But Jesus' original kind of talking about how to follow him, it wasn't confusing and it wasn't complicated. In fact, towards the end of his life, when Jesus was kind of talking to um, his disciples, he said, my command is this, singular. I've got one thing that I'd like you to do, my command. And I'm sure all of them are like, Jesus, come on, are there more? Surely you can't condense it into one. Surely if we want to follow you, we need a list. Like there's 10 seems about a good number. Could you give us 10? And Jesus is like, no, 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 I've just got one command for you. And here's, here's what I want you to do. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. He's like, every time you go into relationships or every time you're wondering, hey, how should I follow Jesus in this situation? It's simple, super simple. Love that person, address that situation the same way that I have loved you. And we're going to talk about this today. In fact, we're going to actually talk about it for two weeks um, because this is the big idea. This is the big idea. And in fact, um, if we're going to get this right, if we're going to actually love this way and if you're not a Jesus follower you might not want to subscribe to this Jesus way of love I totally get that but for the next couple of weeks we're going to look at the Jesus what Jesus means by this and if we're going to get it right then we need to pay attention to something that I would refer to as the fine print okay it's the thing none of us like right none of us like the fine print you know when you sign up for like a new um, subscription service or you get your new phone the fine print is the thing that you scroll all the way to the end of to just click I agree to the terms and service all right, there's always one person who's like, I actually read it. Yeah, for the 99% of us who don't, we're just scrolling like tick, bang, let me get to the TV series that I want to watch. Let me get the new phone plan that I want to watch. We, we are going to take um, some time over the next two weeks to look at, hey, what is the fine print of this idea of Jesus? That, hey, just, just love people the way that I have loved you. Because when it comes to the fine print of Jesus, it's the fine print that will make you fine. Right, it's the fine print of relationships that, that makes you someone worth looking for it's the fine print of relationships and jesus's idea of love that makes you someone worth staying for and makes and makes you someone um, worth engaging with and if you're um if you're dating this is super helpful okay if you're dating or you've got high schoolers who are one day going to date or are on the cusp of dating this is really really important to know i'm um, right because no one brings this up at the moment in the dating game it's kind of like if you meet the right person everything will be all right if you find the right person it'll just smooth everything out and for those of us who are married we met the right person, right? Didn't make everything all right. Didn't make everything smooth sailing. You just ask a married person, okay? Hey, I found the right guy. I found the right girl. Ugh, doesn't make everything okay. In fact, most dating in our culture, right, is kind of figured on the idea of, like, just get better in bed. Get better in bed, and then the relationship stuff can figure itself out later, all right? Yes, I brought up sex in church. And while we're talking about sex in church, we should just highlight this idea, which you already know intuitively that romance is fueled by exclusivity, not e experience, okay? Just should really just put that out there, okay? No one looks at romance and goes, you know what? It's fueled by heaps and heaps of experiences. Romance is fueled by exclusivity. You want it to just be between you and one other person. That's what makes it exclusive. And newsflash, you are sexually compatible with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Okay? You are not emotionally and relationally compatible with anywhere near as many people as you might like to think so. And so if you are just kind of going and you're just kind of going, oh, like sex is the thing that I'm going to metric and sex is what makes relationships. No, sex makes babies. Okay, sex makes babies. It doesn't make relationships. I noticed no one took a note on that. Right? It's because it's not groundbreaking. Right? It's like, oh, obviously, duh. Sex makes babies. It doesn't make relationships. 
In fact, if you look at like re what research has said, research is over and over and over again actually says if you have a happy marriage where you've worked on the fine print, where you figure this stuff out, you actually have more happily ever after sex. Funny how that like kind of correlation works. Um, transitioning from sex to Paul. Okay, Paul, that's, that was a rough segue, but I had to get there somehow. Okay, Paul, what'd you say? Oh, so <laughs> sorry, not, Paul, not this Paul. The Paul who wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. He, um, he uh, for those of you who don't know, Paul steps onto the pages of history as like a Christian killer, then becomes a Christian, and he spends so much time in his life kind of going to these areas and going to these regions that had never heard about Jesus, right? And so if you've got Jesus stepping onto history going, hey, I want you to love people the way that I've loved you, and then you're Paul trying to explain this to people who have no idea what, what, who Jesus was or what he was talking about, you're going to have some cultural challenges to overcome. You're going to have to, um, you're going to have to help people understand exactly what it is that Jesus was talking about. Exactly, hey, how do I apply this? What does this kind of brand of love even look like? And sp so Paul, Paul spent a lot of time starting churches and helping people kind of apply what Jesus was talking about. And um, in fact, if, if you're someone who reads the New Testament, if you're someone who reads the Bible, something really helpful for you to know would be this, is that Paul's imperative. So when he writes in his letters, if you've read them, he goes, here's what you should do, here's what you should not do. Um, they are applications of Jesus's new command. Okay, they're not Paul kind of coming up and going, hey, here's my new command as Paul, here's my new way of living as Paul. No, 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 they're, they're applications of this command of Jesus to love others the way that I have loved you. It's why all the time, if you read Paul's letters, he keeps coming back to these phrases where he's like, in Jesus, through Jesus, like, by, by the grace of Jesus. Why? Because he wants everyone to understand that, hey, I'm not coming up with anything new. I'm not bringing you a new command. I'm just drawing you back to applications of Jesus's new command. Now, before we get to the fine print, let me, let me just say one thing for those of you who aren't Jesus followers or who are maybe exploring it or you're kind of like wrestling um, and maybe you think to yourself, why can't I just define love for myself? The reality is, you can. You're totally free. Define love for yourself. Here's the, here's the problem with that. You can't hold other people to that standard because they didn't sign up for it. Okay, so if you get into a relationship and you've got your own definition of love, you can't get mad at them when they don't text back. You can't get angry at them when they don't handle conflict the same way as you'd like them to because they never signed up for your version of love. And that will always be a challenge if you don't have some sort of definition of love that you're working with. You can create your own, but you can't make anyone else sign up for it. Now, I'm not saying you have to adopt Jesus's view of love, but I'm just saying the reason, the reason that Paul was so passionate about giving applications for this is because in the first century, well, really up until the first century, no one had ever associated this idea of love with God. Right? If you go back into the first century, if you look at the ancient Near East and the, the Greco-Roman religions, the gods were um, jealous, they were petty, they were spiteful, they were trying to manipulate people. Like People were always trying to figure out, how do I get the gods on my side and how do I bargain with them so they give me what I want? And then Jesus steps into history. And people who lived and walked alongside with Je Jesus came to this conclusion that, hey, Jesus is not just a good teacher, He's just not a good person, but he's actually God. And through living and spending time with him, they came to this conclusion that God is love. 
an idea that had never been introduced into the world until one of Jesus' followers called John spoke about it. And it was God is love, not because John liked that idea, but because John had spent some time with Jesus. And so then this is Paul, what we're going to look at. This is Paul kind of expanding or kind of teasing out what this love looks like, what this love of God looks like. Okay, Here's, here's how Paul sort of starts talking about it. He says, our love is patient. Love is patient. To put it another way, um, love isn't pushy. In fact, love kind of does this opposite thing where, where love pushes me to make room for the other person. Love pushes you to make room for the other person in um, their life. Like the natural thing, right, the easy thing is, is you just go at your pace, right? You just walk through life at your pace, at, at your relational pace, handling things the way that you want to. It's unnatural to slow down at someone else's pace, right? You would know this um, if you've ever dated someone and the first time you go to the shops. Okay, my wife is like five foot seven. She's a little pocket rocket, okay? She has more energy than any human being I know, right? When we first started dating, um, I used to think that I like to go through life at a pretty quick pace, right? I talk quick. I like to think I like to move quick. I like to get through things quickly. We go to the shops, and I don't know how my wife can move her feet so quickly, but she is like booking it. And, and then what is worse, right? And guys, you would know this, um, especially if you date someone who's considerably shorter than you. When you're at the shops and you're on a mission, they can duck and weave through people, and then you're like, oops, excuse me, sorry, oops, excuse me, sorry, and you're like trying to barge your way through. Emma's like, my wife now is 37 weeks pregnant. She's just, I'm just about able to like walk at her pace right now, okay? I'm just about able to get there, right? And this analogy, right, this analogy kind of expands to relationships as well because love is a decision to pause rather than push, right? How, how you, the speed that you walk relationally, who cares about that? But, but it, um, love is a decision that when you're walking together relationally, it's a decision to pause rather than push and it's not one way. Because there are going to be different elements of your relationship where, where you want to go a little bit faster. And there are going to be uh, different elements of your relationship where your partner wants to go a little bit faster. And so it's this constant decision in a relationship that if you want to be patient, it's a decision to pause rather than push. In fact, we're going to talk about this a lot next week, that the, the idea that um, when it comes to God, love defers. Love defers. Love always says to the, uh, to the other person, um, hey, you, you, you decide. You take the time first. In fact, one of, the, one of the amazing things about God that I think is that God accommodates to our capacity. God accommodates to our capacity. In fact, if you're trying to understand, if you're kind of someone who's new to faith or exploring faith or you're just someone who's been a Christian your whole life and you've never really understood the story arc of like these collection of documents we call the Bible. Like how does it go from like, you know, Israel and how does it map its way to Jesus and why, why do people make the decisions that they do and why is it so slow and why don't they just seem to get it? One of the ways that I would explain it is that God actually, this is God accommodating to our capacity as human beings, that God slows down enough to allow us to make sense of who He is and the plan that He has for the world. Right? You think about it, if God actually just showed up and went at God's pace, He'd be going at light speed. And we'd be like, I've got no idea what you just said. I've got no idea what you're talking about. I have no understanding of who you are. In fact, for us to know God, God has to slow down to accommodate to us. And this is so important of a habit for us to get if you're in any relationship, especially in a romantic relationship, just the habit of accommodating the other person's pace and exercising that patience muscle. 
This is the next thing Paul says. He goes, love is patient, but love is also, love is kind. Love is kind. I don't know about you, but I always, um, I don't know whether it's a guy thing or whether it's just a person thing, but kindness to me always seemed a little bit like weakness. Maybe it's an Aussie thing, right? You know, people, there's this Aussie culture, like don't let anyone, don't let anyone just walk all over you. Don't let anyone just kind of like walk all over you. And so you can't, like, when I would hear this word kindness, I would kind of think to myself, oh, isn't that just letting people walk all over you, trample all over you? Like, I, who wants to let people do that to them? But here's what I've come to learn, is that unkindness is actually weakness. Because if you think about it, when you're unkind to someone, what it means is you can't control yourself. Right? Because you're unkind because you said something, because you couldn't control your tongue. You're unkind because you lost your temper, and you couldn't control your emotions. You were unkind because you just lost all sort of control and you didn't, you didn't have the control to delay your reactions or you didn't have the control to respond in an appropriate way. In fact, kindness, I've spoken about this before and I've said it before, kindness is actually loaning someone else your strength. Kindness is this idea that we actually loan other people our strength instead of constantly pointing out their weakness. In fact, think about it, if you're a Jesus follower, we know that Jesus did this for us because we, we know that while we were still sinners, Jesus what? Didn't, didn't put his hands on his hips and go, oh. <sighs> when you guys get your act together, then I'll come in and intervene. When you get it, we're, then we'll be good, okay? No, no, Jesus, while we were still sinners, died for us. While we still didn't measure up, Jesus came in and Jesus said, hey, I'm going to loan you my strength in the midst of your weakness. And I'm not going to keep pointing out your weakness, but I'm going to show you a way forward through my strength. And so the question is, is, um, that we need to wrestle with is this, what's your go-to response to weakness? What's your go-to response to weakness? Right, and if you're dating someone, if you've got kids who are going to date someone or friends who are going to date someone, get them to pay attention to this. Because when you're dating someone, okay, that's best behavior time. Okay, that's best behavior time when someone is dating someone. And so you need to pay attention to the way they respond to other people's weaknesses. Because if someone else is really nice to you, but responds really harshly and really negatively to other people's weaknesses, eventually what will happen is they'll respond to you in the same way. And they'll do the same thing to you. And now they wouldn't say it, and I, I'm not trying to say that they're manipulating because that, that would be way too far and way out of my league. I don't know your relationship. But people who behave this way, effectively what, what it has is people who use kindness as a means to an end are often mean in the end. Right? People who are like, hey, I'm just going to be nice to you until I get to the place relationally that I want, and I'm just going to treat everyone else how I normally treat them. And then they get what they want, well, then they just treat you the way they normally treat them. And people who use kindness as a means to get what, whatever it is that they want Often they're mean in the end. Often they're mean in the end. Next up, um, Paul talks about like what I like to call the toxic trio. There are three do-nots. He actually says more than three do-nots, but these are the three that are like the toxic trio. He says, love does not, here's what it does not do. It does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. Like love effectively allows other people to shine. Love says, hey, the spotlight's on you and I'm not going to try and step in it. I'm not going to try and take the shine away from you. I'm just going to let you step in that spotlight um, yourself. And this is hard, right? I know it's hard for me. Here's, here's why it's hard. is because if you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to let other people feel good about themselves. Right? If you don't feel good about yourself, it is really, really hard to just let other people sit in the spotlight. 
if you don't feel good about yourself, then every single time someone's telling a story and celebrating a win from work or a win at parenting or a win at home, then in the back of your mind, you're always thinking to yourself, when's it my turn to jump in? When's it my turn to highlight my story? When's it my turn to get a little bit of the spotlight on me? Now, I, like, I, I put this up here because I struggle with this personally. Okay? I, I don't know whether it, I've tr- tried to figure out, like, where is it? Like, is it just, like, how I grew up? One of the things, or one of the reasons I think it is, is because of because um, when I played sport, I was a goalkeeper. And goalkeepers, there's only one of them on a team, right? So pretty much all training, all week, everything, you're just trying to get the coach to pay attention. You're like, pay attention to me, pick me, look at me, look how good I am. Pick me in the team, let me get out there and play. That's fine for sports, not so great for relationships, okay? Because very, very quickly, if you take that approach in relationships, where it's like, oh, I got a story like that, oh yeah, I did that one time, oh yeah, very quickly, you become the person that no one else wants to be around. Because they start to go, oh, I can't tell them about that great thing that happened because I'm just going to hear about their thing. Like, we can't have this um, equality. And when Jesus, the, the other reason that this is important is because if we don't get this right, if we're not aware of this, it actually undermines our ability to love like Jesus. Because when Jesus stepped into history, right, Jesus was God in a bod. And Jesus didn't like walk into every restaurant and be like, <laughs> wait, can you clear that table? Yeah, the one with the view. Yeah, uh, it's all right. I kind of kind of built the place. I kind of created all the food that we're going to eat. It's not a big deal. Sorry, guys, Jesus here, God here. Like, could you just move? Jesus never did that. Uh, you think about this. The whole time Jesus was on earth, he never played the God card. Even when he was hanging on a cross, dying for the sins of the world, he never just thought like, ah, this is a bit, uh, this is a bit not fun anymore. I'm going to play the God card and just get out of it. Jesus kind of reduced himself. And so what that means for us is we should pay close attention to our internal reactions to the success of the people closest to you. Or if you're married or if you're dating, a really good litmus test is, is how easy is it for you to champion your partner publicly? Right? When someone else publicly says a great thing that your partner's done, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, is your initial reaction to go, oh, but you should see him at home. Oh, yeah, but you should have seen him last night. Oh, my goodness, what a mess. Oh, yeah, you should have seen him this morning before we got here, right? Or is your, ini- uh, is your initial reaction to, to champion them, to get, in their, to get in their corner? To be like, hey, you know what? They are, they are like that. They are really, really great at solving problems. They're so great at helping around, uh, around the house. They're so great at navigating those, those things. The next um, does not, I think, if, if we nailed this as a culture, it would just change the landscape cross-culturally, right? Here's what Paul says. Love does not dishonor others, right? Here's what love does not do. It does, um, it does not behave disgracefully, dishonorably, or indecently. Right? Love doesn't get to a point where it causes other people to do something they might regret, right? Love isn't that thing that just insists on like, I'll oh, just have one more drink. It'll be all right. No, no dramas. Like, love is that thing that, that treats people with honor, even when they don't mind being treated dishonorably. Love says, no, 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 no. I am going to treat you with honor regardless of how you view yourself or how you um, view this situation. Fellas, I'm just going to talk to you because I can only talk to you being a guy. But fellas, could you imagine how the world would be, would be different if like, we just got this right? Like, could you just imagine if, if from now this point moving forward, every single guy in the world just said, from this point on, I'm never going to look at a woman dishonorably, okay? 
I'm never going to speak about a woman dishonorably, to her face or behind her back. Every single time I'm in a group of guys and it's just the guys, any single time someone opens their mouth dishonorably about a woman, we're going to shut that down. We're going to say, no, 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 we don't talk that way. We don't handle situations like that. No, 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 we don't talk about that. Guys, the one thing I've never got, okay, and I know I'm, 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 but I'm bagging myself out on this too. The one thing I've never ever got or understood about Aussie culture or just culture in general is when guys go, oh, the old ball and chain, oh, the wife, like, oh, the girlfriend. I don't get it because you chose them. Like, it doesn't look good on you. Like, you can, like the way it's portrayed is like, ah, oh, my wife nagging me. It doesn't look great on you because you're, like, annoyed at yourself for a decision you made to be with a life partner. It just doesn't make sense, okay? Could you just imagine, though, if from now on, no guy ever acted dishonorably ever again, how much better the world would be? And then we just add in all the women as well and just how much better of a place that it would be? And if you're wondering, like, okay, so what does it look like to honor? Paul actually tells us, here's the practical side. Here's the practical side of honoring other people. In humility, value yourself above others. Not because it's a competition to figure out who's more valuable, but because in humility, you act and you behave as if other people are more valuable than you. Right? And the reason we do this is because this is exactly what Jesus did. Right? When Jesus is, is, uh, died for us on a cross, the question doesn't become, oh, well, whose life is more valuable, Jesus's or mine? No one thinks that. The question becomes, how valuable must you be and how much humility must God have had to submit his life to honor us and to give us the opportunity to draw close to him? How much God must love his creation and must honor his creation by giving up his life for us? And here's the good news. You already know how to behave this way. All of us already know how to behave this way. Here's how you, I know you know how to behave this way. Um, just imagine you got a special dinner. Okay, It was a special dinner between you and like the most famous person you've ever wanted to connect with, alive or dead, famous actor, famous musician, famous sports star, whoever it might be. And it's just you and them one-on-one or you and a small group of friends with them one-on-one. How you would behave on that night is how you behave, is, is how you behave with honor, right? You know, like they're five minutes late, you get dressed up in your best, you're ready, you're waiting for them, and they're like five minutes late, and they walk in the door, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm late. You would go, oh, Denzel, no dramas, no dramas, Mr. Washington, here, let me grab a seat for you, right? Because you, you would defer to them, you would say, hey, no, no, it is my honor to be here with you. So if you're five minutes late, not a big deal. It's my honor to be in your presence, and so we already know how to behave this way in certain areas of our lives. It's just, it's just about um, figuring out in other areas of, um, of our life as well. And so as we, as we wrap up this morning, because we're drawing to a close, some of you are like, it's 11 o'clock, is he, is he wrapping this up or not? Like it's nearly there. Here's what I will say, okay? If you've been sitting here waiting for yourself and you're thinking to yourself, we've spoken a lot today about me, okay? Chris, when are you talking about the <coughs> my partner? Okay, should I should I bring them next week? Should I make sure that they're in the room next week? Like, when are we when are we going to talk? Because they got a lot of things they need to address. Yeah, sure, I got things I need to address too. But what about what about them? Here's what I would say when it comes to that when it comes to relationships, when it comes to dating, when it comes to marriage in our culture, um, relationships aren't about becoming somebody. Often it's not that way. Okay, it's about finding someone. How do you find the right person? How do you find someone who, who works with you? The problem is, is that Jesus, his new command was all about becoming someone. 
Love others as I have loved you. That's about becoming someone. Paul's applications are all about becoming someone, not finding someone. But if you apply those things, if we apply those things, this is how you become someone worth looking for. This is how you become someone that if you're dating, other people will want to find. This is also how you become a person worth staying for in a marriage, in a relationship. If you start to apply this to your relationship and to your life, this is how you become someone who is worth staying for. Now, here's the challenge, though, is this doesn't come naturally to any of us, right? It's not like we look at this and be like, I am so naturally patient, okay? My wife and I, we went to um, one of our birthing classes yesterday because in, well, any day now, actually, we could become parents. And I already know, my patience, that is something I need to work on, okay? That's an area I'm going to have to grow, especially on a lack of sleep and lack of coffee. My patience is going to be at the floor because it's already not super high at the best of times, right? So I know, just as you know, you're probably looking at this this morning, like this does not come naturally to any of us. But it's applying this stuff that prepares us to win relationally. So here's what I'd love you to do this week, just until we meet next time. I'd love you to pick, grab out your phones and just scan this QR code. So as you scan this QR code, you're going to be taken to the Bible app and you're going to be able to, A, connect with our church on the Bible app, which is a cool thing. But then what I'd love you to do is um, we looked at um, 1 Corinthians 13 today. I'll move out of the way. 1 Corinthians 13 today. And what I would like you to do for the next week is every single day, I'll leave this up on the screen, so if you want to come and grab it afterwards, it's not working, you can grab it then. Um, what I'd love you to do is go to 1 Corinthians 13. What Paul talks about for love, what love does and what love does not, is in verses 4 to 7. Now, this morning, we looked at like verse 4 and half of verse 5. Next week, we're going to wrap it up. But what I'd just love you to do for the next week is every single day, at some point during the day, just read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. It'll, it'll take you less than a minute, right? less than a minute. Read that chapter every single day. And then, if you're a praying person, what I'd love you to do is I'd love you to just pray that passage and just apply it to your life. Like say, hey, God, I'd, I'd love some help being more patient. I'd love to be more kind. I don't want to be boastful or, or envious or proud of others. I want to create space in relationships to engage with other people. And if you do that, then we'll pick up right there next week. But let's pray before we head out. Lord, um, it is not natural to love the way that you love us. Lord, you you love in such an unnatural way. Um, You're patient when we're not. You're kind when when we struggle to to, uh, show kindness. Lord, you're gracious to us when we're, we're ungrateful. But Lord, the truth is that the kind of love that Paul talks about, this fine print, it's the kind of love that we yearn for in our lives. It's the kind of love that we want in our partner, we want our children, we want people to to love our children this way. And so, Lord, help us to love this way. Lord, help us to be people in relationships who love as you have loved us, even though it's not natural, even though it's not easy. Help us to begin to develop this habit. And as we read those words, that Paul wrote, his application of Jesus' command. May those words soak deep down into our being and into our soul. And may we begin to not just simply read those words this week, but apply them. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes, or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find directions, service times, and what you can expect, as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school-aged environment, and Infinity Youth, our high school-aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.